Trapcast Express. Trapcast Express, it's Monday, November 1st, 2021. A new full-length Trapcast episode is currently in production, Trapcast 31, to be released in a few days. Meanwhile, let's take a few moments and address what happened in the Vatican this past Friday, October 29th. You've no doubt heard about it already, but there's quite a bit to say on this. White House resident Joe Biden paid an official visit to Jorge Bergoglio, the Argentinian apostate who goes by the stage name Pope Francis. The meeting between the two went unusually long, and judging from photos and video footage released by the Vatican, it was evident that the two got along extremely well. One day prior, the Vatican had announced that, contrary to the usual custom, it would not be providing or permitting live video of the meeting, only edited footage afterwards. Okay. After his visit on Friday, Biden went to see Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi. It was at that encounter that journalists threw some questions at him about his meeting with Francis. The Associated Press reports, quote, President Joe Biden said the issue of abortion did not come up in his meeting with Pope Francis, but that the pontiff told him he should continue to receive communion, despite calls from conservatives to deny him the sacrament over his stance. Speaking to reporters after his 75-minute private audience with the Pope, Biden said Francis told him he was happy I'm a good Catholic and that he should keep receiving communion. Unquote. After that bombshell, journalists contacted the Vatican press office for a confirmation or denial of Biden's claim. Now, can you guess what the department head, Matteo Bruni, said in response? If you've paid attention to Vatican communications in the last few years, you probably can. The long and the short of Bruni's answer was, no comment. The so-called National Catholic Register reports, quote, The Vatican declined to comment Friday on U.S. President Joe Biden's statement that Pope Francis encouraged him to keep receiving Holy Communion during a private audience. The Vatican, which has a long-standing policy of not commenting on specific statements attributed to the Pope during private meetings, emphasized that the encounter between the two men on October 29th was a private conversation, unquote. Now, that, of course, is a disingenuous cop-out. Yes, the conversation had no doubt been private, but considering that one of the two interlocutors had now made a purported part of the conversation public, it is now a public matter. More specifically, it is now a public scandal. Therefore, if we go by the principles of Catholic moral theology, it is now necessary for this public scandal to be repaired, likewise, in public. That means that if what Biden said about the meeting is not true, then Francis now has a moral obligation to deny it unequivocally in public. He cannot hide behind the excuse that it was a private conversation. 
It may have been then, but it is no longer, at least not that specific part of it. In any case, why make a podcast about this? Because it is a perfect example of how Pope Francis harms souls all the while playing innocent lamb in the process. Let me explain. What we see in this latest installment of the insufferable theological freak show that is the Bergolian pseudo-pontificate is the exact same pattern we've seen, for example, with his numerous interviews with Italian journalist and former Catholic-turned-atheist Eugenio Scalfari. This is how it works. First, Francis meets with someone for a conversation. Then that person reveals some of what Francis allegedly said to him, something outrageous or scandalous. Then all hell breaks loose, but the Vatican declines to comment, won't confirm or deny, and reacts evasively. It was private, you see. Francis himself, of course, though he always has something to say about just about anything, miraculously manages to remain silent. He's too busy enjoying the show. The effect of that is that the claim about the outrageous thing Francis allegedly said goes unrefuted, and so the scandal spreads unmitigated. Then, the next stage in the process is that Novos Ordo apologists are asked about the matter. We're talking people like Tim Staples, Jimmy Aiken, Patrick Madrid, Dave Armstrong, and other people like that, especially from the California-based group Catholic Answers here in the United States. They're asked to weigh in and explain or somehow mitigate the scandal. What do they do? Well, of course, they point out that the person Francis met with only claims that Francis said this outrageous thing, and we can't know that that's actually true. After all, Francis and the Vatican haven't confirmed it. And besides, since it's an outrageous thing, then that person must surely be lying about it, or maybe misunderstood it. And we have to give Francis the benefit of the doubt. Anything else would be a sin, a calumny against the Pope. Meanwhile, the person who met with Francis gets to claim victory because he, or she, can continue to spread the claim that Francis said this outrageous thing without any opposition or contradiction from Francis or the Vatican. At the same time, however, Novos Ordo apologists also get to claim victory because they can maintain, likewise without opposition from the Vatican, that we don't know that Francis actually said that. And being the good and non-judgmental Catholics we are, we have to presume that he didn't, right? And so everyone gets what they want. The conservatives console themselves with the idea that the claim is probably not true and Francis is still a good, Catholic, totally valid pope. They've convinced themselves that giving him the umpteenth benefit of the doubt is the morally upright, decent, and humble thing to do. On the flip side, the liberals have their stance confirmed as well. Taking the unrefuted and undisputed claim about Francis' scandalous remarks at face value. End result? Both sides claim victory, while Francis plays innocent lamb, 
and yet at the same time unmitigated damage to souls is being done throughout the world. It is a devilishly clever ploy, and Francis is a master at it. Over the last eight and a half years, we've seen it again and again. What's next? Well, the commentary circus will begin again. So-called Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò has already released a letter condemning the scandal, and you know that Bishop Athanasius Schneider surely has a number of interviews lined up to provide his commentary on the whole fiasco. Then we may hear from Cardinals Raymond Burke or Gerhard Müller as well, who will express their outrage or disagreement until eventually the controversy either dies down or is overshadowed by the next Bergolian scandal, which is sure to come. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how it works. That is the way Francis operates. It's not a hapless shortcoming of his fake pontificate. It's a feature. And it's not hard to see that. Just ask yourself the following. Imagine if some other politician, one Francis has made a point to criticize in the past, for example, the Italian Matteo Salvini, imagine if such a man had met with him and then after the fact claimed that Francis told him he's a good Catholic, a good Christian, and that he should keep up his good political work. Do you really think that Francis and the Vatican would now be silent? Do you really think they would say, oh, well, that was private, we can't comment on that? If you believe that, I think I have some oceanfront property in Wyoming to sell you. Yesterday, the modernist English rag The Tablet published an article by Christopher Lamb with the title Pope-Biden Meeting, A Rebuke to Communion Deniers. Well, of course it is. And if you permit me to express a theory I have, that was probably the primary reason for the meeting to begin with. Tratcast Express is a production of Novos Ordo Watch. Check us out at tratcast.org, and if you like what we're doing, please consider making a tax-deductible contribution at novosordowatch.org slash donate.